0: Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts and up to date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful life transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Uh, I want to, may I assume, may I make an assumption? Okay, so I'm going to teach the Word tonight. So I hope you have note-taking devices to take great notes because you're going to learn a lot of stuff. Um, I'm going to assume you know nothing, if I may. Because I remember the first time going to church, I was 18 years old, first time ever. Not Easter, Christmas, never. I was in church and the pastor was preaching the sermon, and you all know the story of how David fought the giant, and you all know how Moses split the sea, and you all know how Jesus, po-. I didn't know those names. Nada. So may I just assume, for all of you Bible scholars, just you know, just nod and smile like, oh, I could have taught that. The Bible is not a historical writ. The Bible is not a historical document. The Bible is alive and active. It is a lung and it is a womb. It is giving breath. It is giving birth. Every time you open the pages, it breathes on you and births something in you. Now, the Bible is a collection of 66 books compiled into one book. The 66 books have two divisions, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament are the 27 books written during the time of Jesus and after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus that lasted until 90 AD and are in the year of our Lord, last letter written by John on the Isle of Patmos. The 39 books in the Old Testament were written by the people that lived 2,000 years before Jesus. And uh, there are 39 of those books now, in 323 AD at the Council of Nicaea, wicka, 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 the Roman Emperor Constantine was looking for a thread that was holding his empire together. And do you know what he found it to be? Christianity. Isn't it interesting that 300 years earlier, the very government that crucified him is the one that was hailing him as the Savior itself? Come on, it wasn't a fad, baby. It lasted three uh, centuries and it's still going stronger than ever. So, this book that we're about to read today is going to blow into the sails of your soul if you're ready to capture the wind. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Give you the backdrop of what's taken down in 1 Samuel chapter 17 in the Old Testament of the Bible. There's a man by the name of David we're going to read about. And David was living in the era of the kings. Now, we know that the Old Testament is divided up into three eras. The eras of the judges, the eras of the prophets, and the eras of the king. The era of the kings began in the 10th century B.C., 1,000 years before Christ. The very first king ever to be anointed by the prophet Samuel and to sit on that throne in Hebron, in the capital city, was a, was a man by the name of Saul. It says that Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He could have played power forward uh, for the Lakers. That God knows they need some help. Just saying, LeBron's coming your way. Hold on, everyone. There's a camera right here. However, Saul disobeyed God, and God removed the throne from his hand, but not immediately. Let that sink in. He removed the throne, but not immediately. Not immediately. God sent the prophet Samuel on a quest to go find the next king. Uh, any firstborns in the room? Wait at me, firstborns. All of you are control freaks and have authority issues. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know because I'm one of you. Um, in the 10th century B.C., if you were the firstborn of your house, there was no need for any will or testament when your daddy died because you got it all. <laughs> Woo! You love to be born in. But if you happen to be second or third, okay, not so bad. Third or fourth, not so good. Fifth or sixth, oh, honey, but if you're born seventh, uh, you get nada. Zip. The prophet Samuel goes into the city of Bethlehem, about 14 miles southeast of Jerusalem. And he comes to the house of Jesse. I wish I had Jesse's house. Ba-da-da-da. Why can't I find a king like that? So he's looking there at Jesse's house and says, Jesse, bring out your boys. Light them up. Jesse brings out his boys. What's going on here? We're going to have a next king from one of your sons. woo I know who that yeah. is. Out walks Eliab. Six foot three. Four percent body fat. <laughs> Bench-pressing Connecticut. Wavy black locks. Ivory teeth. And Samuel thought to himself, that's the king. That's the future king. And God says, nope, that ain't the man. How can that be? Here's what God says. "Uh, Y'all be looking at the outside. But me, the Lord, my God, myself, I look to the inside. Aren't you glad that God looks past your waistline, your wardrobe, your address, your crew, the whip that you drove in on? He looks past everything that's external and only looks to the internal. Now, he be going on down the line of the brothers. No, no, no. He gets six no's. He goes, you got any other sons? And Jesse's all like, yeah, but he's an embarrassment. He he's out with the other women tending sheep. Samuel said, "We ain't sitting down yet, boy. Show up." Wow. So we went out and got Jesse. So went out and got David, brought him to Jesse's house, and he, here comes David. Now the average Middle Eastern uh, Jewish Hebrew male, five foot five to five foot seven, buck forty-five, soaking wet, wow, yeah. not very imposing, yeah. not like you know. The chiselled ivory campus pastor here at, at Central but here comes David, right Here's what we know about David. Let's build a profile. We know number one that he was short. We know that he was a, he was a, he was a mama's boy. did women's work with the sheep? We know that he was a musician, but he wasn't like you know grunge, rock, string, shredding guitar. The brother played a whole. Here comes David. Hi guys. Man, oh man. Nobody was excited to see that little boy come up. Now that I've given you the John Grisham, we're gonna come back and talk about how we got to there. At this current setting in time, in 1 Samuel, the nation of Israel has been kicking the dog out of a nation called Philistia. Now, the capital of Philistia is seven miles from the capital of Israel. And Philistia has been oppressed, beaten down, overwhelmed, marauded, not loved, not being. Not being treated well because the, the Jews and the Hebrews they were stronger than, greater than, less than. Until they got a giant. They got a giant by the name of Goliath. Now, here's what historians tell us. They tell us that Goliath was literally, not figuratively, not metaphorically, not allegorically, literally, in uh the territory north of nine feet tall. Now, uh he's not a gangly rigid. Arthritic Mm nine-footer. The Bible tells us that the tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds. And that he used a weaver's beam, which is basically an eight-foot-long fence post. So when the brother be throwing that, he threw it through Shamu. (laughs) The giant comes out in the valley of Jerusalem, and he is defying the armies of the living God. Hey, you fill in the blank of however you would think profanity would sound in the 10th century. (laughs) And for three weeks, this is going on. And the Jewish army, the Hebrew army, they had the paralysis of overanalysis. They were afraid and terrified of the giant. Now, uh, I've been doing this gig for the better part of three decades called pastoring people. And here is one salient epic truth that is irrefutable in my mind that people all together have lost sight of just who the enemy is. May I just tell you that uh, your chemistry professor is not the enemy. That uh, your coach, not the enemy. That your employees, not the enemy. Your employer, not the enemy. The president, not the enemy. Your mother-in-law, coin flip. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But here's what I want to establish for you. People are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And if you can just wrap your heart and mind around the fact that whatever the enemy does to distract you, to make you believe that some person in your world is the enemy, he has deceived you and taken your energy out and taken your focus out, and God wants to bring you back full circle. Now, We pick up 1 Samuel 17. I hope you're buckled up and ready to learn from the word. Because I just can't get past the first five words of verse 25. Have you seen the giant? Because within the sound of my voice and all of you that are watching online, here's what I know to be true. No question. There's a giant in your land. And you see that giant... Uh, Is going to come in a varied array of forms. You've come to the doctor, and the tumor is malignant. You went to work, and they let you know that your services are no longer needed. You just found out that that someone that you put your heart and soul into has broken covenant, and your heart is in your socks. There are things that have happened in your yesterdays that are impacting your right nows and augmenting your tomorrows. Have you seen the giants? And tonight what I would hope would happen for you and in you is that God would speak to you so that he can work through you. I believe that if you'll let the Holy Spirit identify the enemy, there is freedom coming your way. The men asked, He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. I don't care if I'm dead, I'm going for that one. (laughs) David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will the man get for killing the Philistine, ending this defiance in Israel? Now, listen to this little attitude, this little five foot five buck forty five guy is talking about. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of a living God? Who is that man? We have a Shih suit. It's a little dog. It's not a for real dog, it's a little dog. We've had that dog for 15 years and I'm just holding on for him to go to doggy heaven. I wanted a for real dog, I got voted out 15 years ago. Shih Tzu. Now we moved on to, we moved on to the lake, uh, Lake Taps up in our neck of the woods, and we moved right next to these uh, wonderful, precious people, but they had pit bulls, two of them. What's up with people not getting it that those dogs, like, just eat people for lunch? I'm just saying. Now, those pit bulls, because we didn't have a fence at that time, were making their way into our yard, visiting... And then we let our dog out, and they started going toward my dog. My little, I, I didn't want the dog, but I got to name the dog. You know what I named him? Champion. Because how many of you know, it ain't the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And that little dog went up to those two pibbles. And those pibbles did not know what to do with Champ, and they put their tail between their leg and busted it back to their house. Go get him, Champ! You see, sometimes you and I feel very overwhelmed by our circumstance. We feel like the circumstance is larger, greater than, less than. We feel like we are less than, and it is greater than. But here's what I do know. 1 John 4, 4 says that this is true, that greater is the spirit of God that lives within me than the spirit that is in the world against me. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that gets to defy the armies of a living God? And these men gave David the same reply. Yes, it's true. Kings don't give it up. (laughs) Look at verse 28. But when David's older brother Eliab (laughs) heard David talking to the men, he was angry. Come on, there's that little brother syndrome, packing it around, tailing around everywhere you go, big brother. There's a little brother. (laughs) Now listen to how he disses him. Listen to the diss. That's disrespect, over 40. Listen to the diss. What are you doing around here anyway, boy? (laughs) (laughs) Paraphrase. And what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taken care of? I know you're about your pride. I know about your deceit. You just want to see the fight. How many younger brothers can we have in the house, younger? You did nothing wrong. You can't help the order that you were born in that your parents screwed up on your siblings and they got it right with you. There's nothing you did wrong. Favor isn't fair favor isn't fair now <laughs> look at David. what would i do now what i do now what i what i do <laughs> i was only asking a question he walked over to some of the other soldiers and they said the same thing and they gave him the same answer check out verse 31 then david's then David's question was reported to the king. Isn't it interesting? In an army of more than 150,000 soldiers, a 16-year-old sophomore who played the harp, buck 45, 5'5", five five, had the inside stuff to not be afraid of the giant. Have you seen the giant? David gets an audience. Hey, don't worry about this, Philistine. I'll go fight him. Huh, Saul's response, don't be ridiculous. Do you know what I know about faith? If you're not willing to do the ridiculous, you won't see the miraculous. No, it won't happen. You see, once you're willing to do the ridiculous, oh, you're going to see the miraculous. He said, when I'm taking care of my daddy's sheep and goats, A lion or a bear comes and steals a lamb from the flock. I go after it with a club. Are you joking me right now? A stick? A bazooka? Yes. A stick? No. And I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I want that kid on my soccer team playing fullback right now. I have done this to both lions and bears. And I will do to this pagan Philistine. The Lord rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, and he will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented and said, I, and may the Lord be blessed and be with you. <laughs> your homework assignment is read the rest of the story because it'll blow your mind how that washes out. If you're going to move the needle and live by faith, if you're going uh, to ascend to the place that God has for you, uh, by the way, I don't want to tell you what to think. I, I would insult your intelligence. You're far too bright of people. But I would want to challenge maybe a way that you think. Because here's what I know. Your philosophy drives your pragmatism. The why drives the what. It is irrefutable, and that's the way it works. And So I want to really coach you and help you, if I can, offer up in the next few moments a way to think about doing the ridiculous to see the miraculous, just like the video we watched. Ridiculous. Makes no sense. You see, we live in a paradoxical kingdom. The kingdom of the Spirit doesn't run in the same direction as the kingdom of the world. You see, have you been to Disneyland on a Saturday when school lets out? The line stretches from here to Connecticut. And you see people cut the line like, hey, you're going to get in. But you see, in the kingdom of God, we run to the back of the line so we can be first. We surrender so we can be free. And we give everything away so we can have more than we need. It's a paradox. It is (laughs) contrarian. It is a thing called faith. So here's what I want to do. I want to the, the, give you the full score. Yeah. I want to tell you the whole truth. There are four things I want to submit to you for your consideration in a way to think. And here's the first one. It will demand resolution. You're going to have to have a steely resolve within the constitution of the intestinal fortitude of your thoracic cavity of the spirit that is not going to be able to be challenged, negotiated, or up for sale at any price, at any time, by anyone. Wow. But here's, the, don't ask me to repeat that because that's not ever going to happen just know that it was good. There has got to be some kind of resolve that you have. And do you know what our human nature does? It goes tough. Have you ever started a diet? And you're going tough. You ever start fasting? You make it till like 1130 like, oh God, that digital clock can't move fast enough for me. Cause at 12:01, I'm going to Mickey D's, baby. You see, when, when Elijah the prophet was so frustrated by the northern kingdom and his observation of their back and forthness, he says in 1 Kings chapter 18, 21, he went before the people and said, How long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. 18 months ago, I was 35 pounds heavier than I am now. And I went to my 50 um, my year old checkup. <sighs> Ah. I'm not going to the 75. i just die. I ain't, nah, I ain't going back. So my doctor is a little, um, little Filipino guy, Dr. Wang. And he is so great. He, and I was nervous. I mean, you know, I, obviously, <laughs> I'm nervous. But I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I know that I'm not well physically. And he tells me, Pastor Roger, you sit down. You know, only a little Filipino doctor can get away. I don't know how to tell you this. Well, hit me with it, doc. Don't leave me in suspension. There's not a movie trailer coming after this. Just say it. I don't know how to tell you this. For the love of God, just tell me. He says, "You clinically obese." That's it. You didn't find a tree of polyps up there. Or you know what? What? It, that's it. I'm clinically obese. That's it. I shouldn't. Have, did I go too far? Did I go over the edge here? I'm sorry. I apologize. I may never come back, but I got another ten minutes. Okay. Um. But here's what he said. He said, "You're never gonna. You're never gonna see 60. If you don't change your nutrition. Because here's what happened to me. Uh, I played major college football. And out of, out of high school, um, I, I, the, the coach said, you're going to get crushed if you don't gain 25 pounds. So they put me on an 8,000-calorie-a-day diet. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, for those days again. <laughs> effortlessness. Effortlessness. And here's what happened. Uh, when I was done playing football, my workout habits Changed and my eating habits kind of tend to stay the same. <laughs> and here's another thing that I knew uh, before I followed Jesus: I used the things of this world to self-medicate. I think we can all fill in the blank, right? But after I became a follower of Jesus, I didn't want to do those things, and I and I wasn't going to do those things. My medication became food, and I was so erratic with it that it was literally killing me. And to comfort myself, I would literally just, I mean, I would just go ham. I, I would go nuts on just things just to medic hey, oh, God, okay, edges off. And the Holy Spirit said, Roger, I've got so much more for you, and I can be, I can be the medicine that you need. And so 18 months ago, I just said, game over, game over. And in 90 days, I lost 35 pounds. And my wife, who loves Nornstroms almost as much as me, bought me a whole new wardrobe. But it wasn't until there was this absolute resolve that this is not up for debate. This is not up for negotiation. Have you seen the giant? Because there are some of you that are struggling with your self esteem, value, and worth. You're looking at the reflection of the mirror and you don't like the image because the enemy is telling you unlovely because of the bombardment of media and, and what social media says. You feel not worthy. May I just tell you, it wasn't because you were so good that he came anyway, it was because he was. And the infilling of the Holy Spirit is what gives you value. Validation, identity, value, and worth. Hey, but here's the deal. Here's the 411. You just got to draw a line in the sand. Giant, you're going down. Because here's what David resolved. David resolved that death with honor was better than life with shame. Do you know my Bible tells me that we are no longer shamed? People that have ever told you those evil, demonic words, shame on you, whispering from the heart of hell. My Bible tells me in Joel chapter 2, therefore now my people shall never again be ashamed. Some of you are struggling with addictions. Have you seen the giant? It's got a name. Some of you have been so mishandled by people in your yesterdays, that giant is running a reel in your tape and it's affecting the quality of your relationships now. Have you seen the giant? My heart breaks for people that they don't know who the enemy is. And they look at a three-dimensional world, and they're taking three-dimensional medicine, and it's not getting them anywhere closer to freedom. But by God's name, in the next 11 minutes and 27 seconds, you're going to get yours. Uh, Here's the second thing I'd have you jot down. Uh, You just need to know this. You need to know this. Uh, There will be opposition. The devil is not going to roll over like a puppy and scratch him on the tummy just because you said the magic word Jesus. Oh, go ahead and take the leg. You're going to have opposition. position. There's going to be a heightened fight because the devil is not going to hand over what he thought he had a clutch grasp on. And that's who you are because the devil hates inherently everything God loves. And may I just tell you, seven billion people on the rock, God loves them all. And because God loves them, the devil hates them. And when you attempt to be free, there's going to be a fight. I remember moving from California to uh, um, this way out, far out place uh, on the frontier called Idaho. You need a passport to go to that place. I I moved into a logging mining community in Northern Idaho. And I knew that they were gonna be tough. Oh, no, 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 no. In my high school, when I drove into the parking lot, there was not one single car. There were only trucks. There were Ford F-150 pickups, one after the next, after the another. And not only were there trucks, there were gun racks in the windows of the trucks. Now, not only were there gun racks, but there were loaded guns in every single truck. There were no school shootings because people would be getting a bus and a cap in them. They can bring out, them, yeah, you're dead back. You're done. Oh, no, no, I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was gonna be tough. All, all the kids, all the kids in my ninth grade class, all of them had facial hair. (laughs) And when you go into your math class, right? Every one of them had a cup, and they had a dip of Copenhagen three fingers dip, and they had just Copenhagen sticking out. Hairy faces, gun rack, trucks. Those were just the girls. It was such, (laughs) such a tough place. No, it was tough. If I'm lying, I'm dying. It is tough. Now, did I mention Jurgen and I are friends? <laughs> um, there's a kid there that instant, have you ever met somebody like, you instantly know you're going to be best, best friends for life? Have you ever met those people? And then the other side of the coin, you meet someone for no apparent reason and you hate their guts and hope they go to hell. Right, you, you know them? Um, so I, there's this kid that met me he was six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds, uh, ninth grader. His name, no kidding, was Roger Mount. And he loved ninth grade. It was the best four years of his life. And he would, he would drop off his kids at daycare and then, you know, come with his uh, ninth grade uh, health book. But he hated. He instantly hated me. Why? Because I was from California. And so we'd be sitting on the bus, and he would flick my ear, you know, walking down the, the hallway, and he'd kick my heel. make me look stupid. And then he would, like, be picking on me and throw food at me in the cafeteria. And, and I was like, oh, man, this has got to end. It didn't end for, like, a month and a half, straight through September, all the way out through October. We're in November, and I'd had enough. Now, my mom, my, my precious mother, my God bless her, single mom raising three kids, working two jobs, side hustle. We're in a trailer park full of poor you know, people and broken people. And there I am. And this kid's picking on me. There's no man in my life. And so I just resolved in my heart, hey, this day is over. So I grabbed my Sigmund and the Sea Monster lunch pail. And I got my football mouthpiece stuck into my mouth and I'm walking to the door of my trailer house. My mom says, what are you doing? I said, I've been being picked up. When you cry in front of your mom as a ninth grader, I mean, how humiliating is that? So he, uh, you know, he was threatening me, and my mom says, well, here's the deal. I thought she was going to say, don't do that. Be a good boy. She goes, no, no. She goes, take that mouthpiece out, because we bust you in the mouth. You're going to break your teeth out. I can't afford that. So get that mouthpiece out. <laughs> well, thanks for the tip. <laughs> Mine was the first bus stop. His was the third. And I, My heart was beating in my chest so fast. And I, I sat, and like, here's the bus driver, and here's the pole, and I'm, I get in the front seat. I'm just shaking. I'm shaking. I never punched anybody. I've never been to fight in my life. And, and so... We get to his bus stop, and I see him down there just picking on the kids and taking their lunch money and being a jerk, and a uh, door opens. I step out, grab the pole, and I'm staring him down. He steps up on the first step. I'm on the top step. We're looking eye to eye. <laughs> he says, what do you want? I said, just you. And I had my thumb in my fist. I hit him on the bridge of the nose and busted his nose wide open and then busted my thumb with a compound fracture. And I think I've got him, right? Wrong. He gets up off the ground, grabs me off the bus, starts pounding my brain, and then it's on. Just We're just throwing haymakers, right? Bus driver gets out, gets us off, and separates us. And then, you know, we go to the principal's office. I have a broken thumb. He's got a broken nose. We're bleeding out all over the place. And then we high-five each other, and we had lunch uh, after third period. <laughs> I've never understood, like, how girls, if they get in a cat fight in fourth grade, they'll hate each other till the 25-year reunion. I've never understood that. But you cannot capitulate and acquiesce to a bully. And the devil is going to bully you. He's going to harass you. He's going to tempt you. He's gunning for you. But greater is the spirit of God that lives within you than the spirit of the world is against you. David did not run from the bully, he ran to him. Have you seen the giants? Thirdly, you will experience the sensation of isolation. I know what you're thinking, Pastor, if this gets much better, I'm gonna need therapy after your sermon. I wanna give it to you straight. See, when I came to Jesus at age 18, I was hungover after an ACDC concert, showed up at this church, and the youngest person there was 65 and then me. (laughs) pastor started preaching, you know, I didn't know the cast of characters or what he was talking about, but I felt the Holy Spirit. And before he could make the invitation, I got up out of my seat and ran to the front, knelt down on the altar, wept my eyes out, gave my life to Jesus. And then instantly I could sense all of these old people putting their hands on me. It was a bit creepy, I got to admit. Like, hello, creepy old people. What are you doing touching me? I had no idea. They didn't, like, warn me, we're going to lay hands on What the heck? But I'll never forget this one woman. She was probably like, uh, like 111. <laughs> <laughs> and she bent down, right? She knelt down the altar. She goes, oh, young man, you're going to be so happy. You're going to be so happy. I said, I am. She said, you are. I couldn't wait to get home to call my girlfriend, my high school sweetheart. I called her up, and I said, Les, I gave my life to Jesus. I want you to give your life to Jesus, too. And she said, if you want to be one of those Jesus people, I want nothing more to do with you. And she hung up before I could say the next word. The next day, I called my dad. I said, Daddy. My dad and I were living together, and, you know, my, my parents were married and divorced to each other three times. Was, we put the fun back in dysfunctional in our family. It was nuts. But I said, Daddy, i am got to meet you at Denny's for breakfast. So we met up. He goes, what's up? I said, Daddy, I gave my heart to Jesus last night, and and I I want you to give your heart to Jesus, too. He says, wow, that's amazing. Sounds like you have a decision to make. I says, no, I've already made my decision. I want you to make it, too. He goes, no, no, no. You don't understand. You're going to have to decide whether you want to be a Jesus person or you want to be my son. And I said, well, that doesn't leave me much of an option. He goes, well, have a nice life. 22 years between our next conversation. I just kept waiting for it to get better. (laughs) Can I just tell you this? Here's what's powerful in God's word. No one will be able to stand up against you, Joshua 1.5 says, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Fourth and finally, here's the hope. Uh, The end result is goal realization. You see, what's gonna happen is, you're gonna get what you set your heart to. You're gonna get it. But you have to come to some kind of resolve in your mind. See, some of you have not resolved yet to come all the way in. You're trying to live this uh, duplicitous life, one foot in the world side and one foot foot on the the God side, and you're trying to justify it, but the ships are widening, and you're feeling this certain tension. Some of you with your finances have not committed to tithe to the house of God. And you know what? You've already resolved it. You're not doing it. Some of you have not gotten on board with your campaign to help reach the city of San Diego because it scares you because that's a giant. May I just tell you, uh, you know, when I first got handed a Bible, have you ever seen how big those things are? I, I wasn't going to start at the beginning because I knew I'd never finish. So I started in the middle. I found the book of Psalms, <laughs> And, and, and I, I read through Psalms, and I would go out witnessing to all my, all my neighbors and friends. But when I got to Paslam's 23, I committed it to, men, to memory. About six weeks later, a guy comes and goes, yo, bro, the, the pea is silent. <laughs> but Psalm 23, 6 says this, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house house of the Lord forever. Meaning, priority on his house brings prosperity to your house. You see, there's going to be a desired result. And I can't tell you that that there's this mystical uh, uh, equation, some algorithm that you can twist God's arm behind his back and say, now I got you. You got to deliver, sucker. God ain't got to do nothing. But here's what I do know about the power of the Holy Spirit. When you resolve in your heart that nothing comes your way, that you You're going to follow, you're going to submit, you're going to obey, you're going to worship, you're going to give and forgive and serve, and you're going to do it all in. Let me just tell you, the legacy on that screen behind me, I'm a first generation Christian. I didn't know how to be a dad. I didn't know how to be a husband. I just knew what it wasn't like. And every one of my children follow God. They are pastors in the house of God. My wife loves me and follows God. And there's a gift of God that saddles in my soul because of what Jesus has done for me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience We wanna take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.